podcast. I really hope you like it. My friends, I've got to tell you about a company that my wife and I have totally fallen in love with, and you're going to fall in love with them too. If you love essential oils or if you just care about the air in your home becoming more toxin-free, you have got to subscribe to Simply Earth. We get a box every month shipped to our house. It's over $150 in value, but just a $39 monthly subscription. We're getting four full-size essential oils and all the ingredients that we need to make six natural recipes. Each month has a different theme in the box and all these little cards that show you how to make the recipes. So it's super fun. It's kind of like a meal subscription kit, but it's not edible. So don't eat the oils, just breathe them in. And in addition to your home being toxin-free, let me just tell you, I love, I know Emily loves it too. Our house smells incredible. I walk in and it's like eucalyptus and dreams. It is so cool. But here's the most important part, in my opinion. Simply Earth is standing up against human trafficking, donating 13% of their profits in the fight to help end human trafficking. And when it comes to products that Emily and I would put in our home, when we can support a company that's changing the world, we want to do that. Forget the big companies. I want to work with Simply Earth. They're sending us 100% pure essential oils. It's making our air cleaner and we're helping to end human trafficking. That's a win-win. And I want you to join up with Simply Earth. Go to simplyearth.com slash west today. Use the code WEST and get a free $20 gift card with your first recipe box when you subscribe. That's simplyearth.com slash WEST. Use the code WEST and get a $20 gift card. You're going to love it. Simply Earth is simply awesome. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, because, well, who else would be hosting the Matthew West Podcast? I'm not sure why I just introduced myself, but... I really hope you like it. As always, I really hope you like it. And today is going to be a fun one, which is why I think it's important for me to just, even before we get rolling, to go ahead and address the elephant in the room, just rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the topic that has divided much of America, that's kept us up at night. We've lost sleep. We've lost patience. We are on polar opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to our belief systems, right? We're filled with anxiety and uncertainty and and quite frankly, there's a lot of fear. And so I'm just going to go ahead and address this topic head on. You know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Here goes. McDonald's is bringing the McRib sandwich back. And I know there's a lot of opinions with this. You know, is it real meat? Is it even a rib? Is it one of those alternative meats that takes seven years to digest? I don't know where you stand on the matter, but it's back and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Okay, I'm sorry. I know that's not the topic dividing America. I'm just trying to make you laugh, people. Come on. This is a hard season. Lighten up a little bit. (laughs) And McDonald's, if you're out there and you want to sponsor this podcast, I would just like to officially say that the McRib sandwich is, is so delicious. And I believe that there is at least some percentage of real meat in the McRib. So get your McRib today. (laughs) All right. In all seriousness, we all know what's going on in our world right now. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to do this podcast every week is in the hopes that it might be 
just a healthy escape for you listening right now. And by escape, I mean like escaping some of the distractions of the world, some of the noise of the world, some of the pressures of the world. But then as you escape from that, you get to enter into hopefully just a time that that fills your heart with joy and maybe helps the burden on your shoulders feel a little bit lighter. That's my prayer for today. You know, uh, I was just obsessed watching the news way too much, and I finally just turned it off, and I went for a long walk and just talked with the Lord, and I hope that you're finding things, other than this podcast even, as ways of just keeping your sanity and, most importantly, keeping your closeness to the Lord. So that's my little PSA and encouragement to you. What else? Before we get started with today's guest, I want to let you know you know, I released a brand new Christmas song this year, and it's called The Hope of Christmas. And to go along with that song, the family and I filmed a special music video. We went back to the cabin where I wrote my last album, and we filmed a Christmas video. And I'm just going to tell you, this video gives me all the feels, and I think you're going to love it too. So be sure to check out the Hope of Christmas music video. You can go to YouTube or I will post a link in the show notes at matthewwest.com slash podcast. You can also stream the new Christmas song, The Hope of Christmas. If it's not too soon for you, that is, to listen to Christmas music. It's not too soon for me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm already listening. I've been listening since July. So maybe you're weird like me. Go check out the song. Go check out the video. And hey, this has been a season of new music and a little hint, hint, there's more new music to come in November. And uh, this next release is going to get you ready for Thanksgiving, but that's all I'm going to say right now. But we did release the live EP called Live Before the World Shut Down, and I hope you guys have had a chance to check that out. It was fun to do some of the songs from the new album, The God Who Stays, Truth Be Told. I even did my own version of the song Nobody with Casting Crown, so be sure to check out Live Before the World Shut Down. Today's guests, oh my goodness, these guys are so awesome and they're some of the funniest people that I've been on tour with. I got to meet them on a tour called The Roadshow, and we had an absolute blast. A lot of times we would uh, have dressing rooms right next to each other. Occasionally we would even share a dressing room, and you get real close real fast when you're hanging out in the dressing room all day waiting for the show to begin, and we had an absolute blast. They're Florida boys. They're amazingly talented writers and producers, and they wouldn't tell you this, so I'm going to brag on them. They just won the Dove Award for the best rap hip-hop album of 2020. I was super disappointed that I didn't take the trophy home for that. But you know what? If I got to lose it to somebody, it's got to be to these guys. Most importantly, they have a powerful testimony and a passion for reaching a lost and hurting world in a unique way with their unique gifts. They just released a brand new album called Feared by Hell. Give it up for my buddies, Marty and Fern, the Social Club Misfits. By the way, this podcast, if they didn't tell you, this podcast is all about hip-hop culture. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's hosted by an awkward white guy <laughs> who this really likes your music. <laughs> brought to you by title. Yeah. You're going to freestyle at the end. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, but I just thought when we got to tour back in 2018, I think it was 2018, mm -hmm. yes, wasn't sir. it? Yes, sir. And we shared a dressing room a lot of times, <sighs> and I thought these are some of the nicest, most talented and genuine and funniest guys that I've been around on the road. And so I was like, when I launched this podcast, I had put you down on the list. I'm like, 
I would like to talk to those guys. I'd like mm. to tell like my fan base about their music if they don't already know. So to talk about your music, but also talk about your story, that's my goal. So was getting a record deal always the dream for you two? You're both growing up in Florida. You guys were each doing your own thing musically. You asked the perfect question right there. Because right around the time I came home, I met him at a radio station. He was already doing his thing. And I was, you know, having aspirations after coming home and, you know, doing some time. I wanted to go ahead and continue to rap. But my sister pointed me to this Christian radio station because she knew I had the, the ability to rap. But she wanted me to change my ways. And she wanted to help me change the way that I wrote and the way that I sang. We definitely were already solo artists with aspirations to do our own thing. And then once we started doing that mixtape circuit and kind of putting songs out and seeing catching traction, we was on the phone one time and basically was like, hey, why don't we continue doing a group and just put our attention on this, put our efforts into this. And here we are on the Matthew West podcast. <laughs> it was organic. <laughs> you mentioned coming home, Fern. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a pastor's son, but, you know, I got caught up. It's like the prodigal son story. It's not like it's identical to the prodigal son story. I just wanted to see what was going on. There was my father's a bishop. He's a pastor, man. For so many years, all my life, I knew better. I played the drums at church. I did the sound booth in the back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I played the slow Maranatha tapes for communion. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then your dad's in the front. Shout out Pastor Joe West. Your dad's in the front <laughs> with his hands doing the mimic to bring it down. Bring, yeah. bring the volume down. I'm like, Dad, I was already bringing it down. <laughs> that I, was I, my I, life, too. I was already bringing it down. <laughs> Come on, man. But God allowed me to come home from doing three years of prison. You know, I got caught up out there running around in the streets, mm. doing things um, out of my character, you know, out of what I was taught. But nevertheless, I still jumped off the porch and I took a left. But you know what? It, I call it the scenic route. I took the scenic yeah. route and I'm back and I'm home. And my family welcomed me home and me and Marty are here, you know? I love the lyrics in a song called Testify. Yes, sir. From the comforts of my home to a jail cell, tried to break me down, but their plan failed. Uh. I remember like yesterday, still clear as day, when I felt I had my whole future stripped away. Mm. Should have known better, I failed to heed. Speeding through the lanes, I was looking for the better me. Feeding my desires, ignoring my royal pedigree. Mm. Bloodline from the heavens still slept in a penitentiary, but I was meant for more. Dude. Man. I get chills reading that. That's powerful. I can't believe Matthew West just read that because I already know what you do. Once you start reading notes and stuff, you start, you're one of the greatest songwriters of our time, man. What so it's like crazy to hear you say my lyrics, bro. I got a tear in my eye. I think getting to know you, I mean, just to be completely candid, when we went on that tour, we we only knew of Natalie Grant. Yeah. You know, we were fresh, I feel like, in this industry. That year was like our first year to really get on radio and everything. So everything started accelerating that year for us. And they were like, Matthew West, and then uh, Zach Williams, and then Beth. Everyone knows Bethel. Who doesn't know Bethel? Right. But, you know, he's singing them on Sunday. But, like, Reckless Love, you know, everyone knows that. But when we heard your music, and then I remember on the meet and greet where you were talking about how you would, you know, sing and then talk about people in the front rows. And we were like, dude, this guy is, like, crazy. Like, he's a rapper, really, in a <laughs> pop star's body, you know? Yeah. like. And so we, we love your music because we feel like... For us, I think value comes in the songwriting process. So people who can connect with 
others via song, it's really difficult to do. It's actually pretty hard to connect with someone with words. And like, you can make a good sounding song, but to like touch someone's heart is really difficult. Yeah. And so we feel like the lyricism of rap, like communicating something that's going to like actually make a difference and not just saying stuff to say it, you know? And so we feel like we have that same connection to you in the music we want whatever we write to connect to somebody that's awesome and not just be like a good sounding song it's got to somehow like good music to me has to come from a place of like such honesty yeah that you might be a little uncomfortable to like dude you know i want to put this out and so that is true marty and first of all that means a lot for those kind words that you just shared but you said the word connect years ago i sat down and i thought okay what if i could boil down like my whole mission in my music to one word. And my brother was working with me at the time and we did that as an exercise. And the word we landed on that I have held close to my chest ever since is the word connect. Yeah, my goal is to tell stories. Yeah, I'd love to write a hit song. Yeah, I hope to sing for the mass. I've got all these peripheral goals, Mm -hmm. all these things off in the distance, but at its core, that word connect felt like it was the word that would ring truest in terms of what I'm on this earth to do. And what you've already illustrated, you guys, and just the initial part of us talking together is the challenge to find the most authentic voice that God gave you to tell your story to the world. And when you tell an authentic story to the world, the result of that is connecting. You're going to connect on a deeper level when you tap into the deeper level of of who you are as a person. And like even what Fern just shared about where you've been, where it's brought you and where you are now, like when you write lyrics like that, that's what ultimately will connect. Mm-hmm. And whether it's 18 to 35 or far beyond, because you've given, I love how you did a shout out to Pastor Joe West. That's my dad. <laughs> but my dad is a huge Social Club Misfits fan. So he might not fit the typical demographic, but he loved meeting you guys on that tour. And I was telling him this morning, I said, I'm getting to talk with Fern and Marty. He's like, you tell him I said hello. You tell him I'm still praying for them. And he was so moved by your testimony, your music, and how it uniquely connects, there's that word again, connects yeah. to people in a totally different way than my music or anybody else's could, which illustrates the point of why we're all why we're all essential workers. <laughs> Every night on the on the Roadshow 2018, man, Pastor Joe, right before me and Marty, because we, we came on right after you. Yeah. So we would be right on stage side, and Pastor Joe would always pray us out every single night. He's like, come on, boys, let's pray. And, you know, uh, your dad took me under his wing. Any chance he saw me or seen me in the corner, he would call me or I would call him. And it was like, Joe, and we became buddies. And, you know, he really impacted my life. I think about him, you know, randomly here and there, but he always crosses my mind all the time time he he made a heavy impact on me love joe well he's made an impact on a lot of people's lives but i know he he loves you guys and like he would go out to the merch table and like buy your merch and stuff like that (laughs) good boy joe (laughs) but you guys have the coolest merch you know that right well i'm glad you said that because we're about to unveil the newest merch (laughs) for the drop we have to prove it today (laughs) we're about to look at some merch and that statement's gonna stand now is it still misfit driven Absolutely, always. You know what I'm saying? Social Club Misfits is the foundation. Feared by Hell is the title of the new album. Feared by Hell. That's awesome. I would wear that on a shirt if it said Feared by Hell. Oh, you will. You'll have a chance. You'll have a chance to wear it real soon. Do I get a discount? I mean, what's, well, what's well, the... Yeah, we'll send you some heat. 
We'll send Matthew you some West heat. podcast care it'll be, package. Yeah, it'll be just in time for you to unveil this a podcast you'll be wearing it. Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about. I want to push people to find your music. By the way, I've only got like two listeners, my mom and my dad. So I don't know I don't know if they told you that or you probably would have said no. We saw the thing. analytics. It's fine. <laughs> At least you know they love it. At yeah. least you know your fans love it. Oh, love it. they love it. They love you guys. And I love your honesty. I think it comes through in your music, but you talked about like feeling like you didn't fit in at like Christian award shows and stuff like that yeah. since you signed your record deal yeah. and the irony of your name social club misfits yeah. what does it mean to be a misfit what's the significance of your name so actually when we first signed our original name was social club mm-hmm. there's about 75 other social clubs in the world so when we oh, so really couldn't trademark we could it. not trademark it for the life of, we hired people we looked into it we tried everything but when we made the brand we always said our music as social club would be for the misfit, would be for the person who probably went off the path that they thought that they were supposed to go, but we're here to like kind of bring them home and even be a talking piece of like, hey, you know, like let's talk about some honest things. So within our music, you always find like little things to talk about. So when me and Fern signed a capital, we kept the name Social Club Misfits because it was just who we are. And so, you know, me and Fern have a really interesting story. And to be honest with you, when I think of a lot of Christian artists, a lot of them, I don't know their story. I just know that they're great artists. Probably core fans would know like the story of like Lauren Daigle and be like, oh yeah, she went through this. But like, I don't know a lot of that because I don't feel like I just don't hear about it. For us, we thought it was a pillar in the brand to always communicate the past and the future where God has us to. Wow. And so Fern went to prison. For me, my story was was a lot different, but I was working at a church just got saved freshly, and they really abused me at that church. They really just, it was just one of those situations where a lot of people know we live in a world with a great God, but people are sinful. And for me, I was definitely manipulated. I was definitely, my purpose was dangled over my head constantly. And it was just a really unhealthy, toxic church. At a church? That's just so hard to believe, man. Yeah. I mean- I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was about to say, like, especially in like the Latin world, there's a lot of those churches that it's just manipulation. It's just a part of the culture. I don't know why- Yeah, it's unfortunate. But my pastor ended up having like a relationship that was probably a little bit too inappropriate. And on one Sunday, he just got up on the stage and it was supposed to be at like a, I guess like a marriage retreat or something, just decided to sneak up on everybody, take the mic from the guest speaker and say, I'm not leaving. Like some Tom Cruise, wow. jump on a couch, Oprah moment he had. And so we were like, what the heck? And then he was like, you know, I want these people to leave the church who's talk bad about me. And so I just was like going, I didn't really know anything. I didn't know anything. And so he kicked me out and I stopped going to church for about three years because I was like, if this is God... I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with it. I heard this quote the other day, and I feel like I'm living this quote, but the quote is basically like, the hurt that you experience, it's not your fault, but the healing is. Mm. You have to take that healing and be intentional with it. Because if you don't choose to heal, you're never going to get over it. You're always going to blame you know, the past. And so healing is our responsibility. I think even as believers, and I remember I was at Stephen Furtick's church and we just started doing music again, and T.D. Jakes was speaking, and T.D. Jakes spoke this sermon about like forgiving and moving on from your past. And I remember I just texting my old pastor at the time and being like, hey, I just, I forgive you. I know that we haven't spoken since you kicked me out of your church like three years ago, but I forgive you. And I just want to let you know, I have to tell you this so I can move on mm. and be who God's called me to be, mm. because I can't take the baggage into the next season that God wants me to be in. 
And I, I really believe that that's been like the crutch of who we are is we're deeply rooted in the foundation that we are loved by God, loved by heaven, and feared by hell. That's just the identity of a misfit. It's who we are. We are feared by hell. When you know your identity as a Christ believer, as a as someone who walks with purpose, I know it sounds corny. And a lot of these things get overused, but I believe that wherever I walk, I'm the light in the darkness, and I'm I'm changing the atmosphere. I'm gonna create the culture. It's not by default. It's intentional. And so when I get around people, and when we get around people, we're very much intentional about how we talk to people and how we you know listen and communicate the gospel. Because I feel like that's just how we connected to God in a very honest way. It was probably not the standard way that everyone, you know, just raised their hand at the end. For us, it was God was removing things out of us. And I like the phrase of he was emptying our cup to fill us back up. That's good. I love what you said about, hey, I can't carry this baggage with me to where God wants me to be. I love that. I love that reminder for there's a whole lot of people who who needed to hear that message just what you just shared. Amen. I love the idea of being a misfit. I love the idea of being feared by hell. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but I want to please everybody. Mm-hmm. That's my makeup and it's such a fight to not be that way. Mm-hmm. To not be owned by comments on social media when people yeah. are critical or whatever or you know, I don't want to engage, you know, those kinds of things can really wreck you, but like even Several weeks back, I had a guest on the show, and some people didn't like that I had that particular guest because it was uh, my friend John Steingard, who used to be the lead singer of a Christian band Hawk Nelson. Mm, yeah. and But he released a letter on social media several months ago saying that he no longer believed in God. Yeah. And I was like, and I was, I was just like, we're both preacher's kids. And I just wanted to talk to my friend to like better understand. But a lot of people were like, well, why would you why would you give his unbelief a platform or like just, there was a lot of critical. I mean, now the positive comments were so much more than the negative ones, but what do we focus on? The negative one. So when people start to critique the story or the storyteller, it's like, listen, the podcast platform is intended to bring knowledge and truth. You do the math later. Like mm-hmm. people just want to hear stuff and like, oh, why do you have that? You're a Christian dude. You shouldn't have that. I'm listening. I'm part of his story now. I'm allowing him to tell his story so, you know, he could see the love of Jesus through me. And then like, they don't see that. different things happening. You allowed him on the podcast because you realize, oh, this is my brother. We have the same upbringing, the same story. Yeah. He took a left. But I want to know about it. Yeah. I want to know about it. And then if I can, I want to speak into it. That's exactly right. And that's what happened. And the result of me kind of going, hey, you know what? I might get some kickback for this. I'm going to do this anyway. The amount of people who said their faith was strengthened from that conversation, not weakened, was really the proof that, man, sometimes we're going to have to step out and do things that we feel God calling us to do and lose, in that case, lose the baggage of fear of criticism, because that can be baggage. And I love that the word misfit is right in the name of your group, because to me, a misfit stands out. Mm -hmm. And the understanding that as a follower of Christ, especially now, and I love the boldness of the title of your album, Feared by Hell, because I feel like we could also say uh, despised by earth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's coming to a point where for those of us who call ourselves Christians or profess publicly to have a faith in Christ and to believe that God is real, we are facing more and more opposition in those beliefs. Do you feel that too? It's obvious what you see on TV. Have I personally experienced it? I haven't as of yet. 
Because I'm a different type of character. You got to really try your hardest if you're trying to get under my skin or you trying to like, oh, you can't spread those views here. I've never really had that problem because mm. like I'll stand on what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like I'm going to okay. stand 10 toes on whatever I'm talking about. So like you really got to eat your breakfast, do your laundry, iron it out to really come for me for that. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm standing on whatever I'm talking about. And so me and Marty, we're blessed to, you know, bring the gospel through hip hop. And one of the things when we go to sleep every night. We stand on whatever we say. I love it. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing we're going to hold dear to the chest, like connect. That's the beauty of Social Club. We stand on what we say. My friends, if you've been waiting for months to figure out what your future is going to look like, you're not alone. Between the uncertainty, the waiting for answers, and the everyday stressors of work, school, relationships, finances, and more, it's a lot to balance. Am I right? But if there's anything that can help reduce stress and anxiety, I know this much. It's talking things out. Talkspace Online Therapy has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationship issues, and more. If you've got something specific that you want to work on right now, they will help you find someone right for you. Talkspace is secure and private using the latest encryption technology to store client information. And that's super important. The bottom line is we all need somebody to talk to. And Talkspace wants to give licensed support that you deserve at a price that you can actually afford. I want to encourage you to check this out. As a listener of the podcast, Talkspace wants to give you $100 off your first month. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure you use the code WEST to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com and use the code WEST. So from the beginning, even before you signed your record deal with the Christian company, did you ever feel a pressure to, well, if we water down our lyrics, because there was a lyric I read too. I was, I was like studying your lyrics. I love that. I mean, I listened to them, but to like write them down or Google them and really look at them is a totally different thing. So I would encourage, I know that's maybe a nerdy way of listening to music. Do you know about Genius.com? Yeah, that's what I was looking at. On Genius, it's a great place because it shows your lyrics and then the artist can come in, highlight, and then break down their lyrics. Yes. So you can look at some of our stuff. I've tried to break down some of the stuff we say, but I think that more people should do that. There's so many things being said that I feel like can get lost in like the beat. So I'm, I'm actually a firm believer in, in looking up lyrics and seeing what they say. Especially with your style of music, because I think you're totally right. It's like, I feel like you're saying so much more in one song than the average artist. Yeah. Like a lot more words because of the flow. There's a lot more words, yeah. but the depth and the meaning of those words, it's a shame if those get lost because it's coming at you so fast. My mind just needed to slow them down and read them. But you talk about God, it's a guarantee they won't play okay, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's back in the song, Is That Okay? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you that's... talk about God, it's a guarantee they won't play it. You mean uh, mainstream radio? Yeah, like there's so many things to break down in this idea. Number one, whenever you tell people you do Christian music, for some reason there's this negative I guess, connotation on it. There's this negative feeling. So as soon as we tell people we do Christian rap, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I hate that. Like it's less than or something? Yeah, and yeah. Almost, it's almost like, and I don't know how that happened because sure. and people always talk about Christian music and I'm like, do you know that like most Christian uh -huh. artists live better 
than any of the mainstream artists. Like those mainstream guys are breaking their backs, performing at 3 a.m., doing shows and traveling. It's like nonstop. They, you notice that a lot of mainstream right. guys don't have marriages. They're not married. Right. A lot of girls are right. not married. A lot of girls are not having kids. They're putting everything into their music. And so like we are blessed as Christians to be able to be a part of a genre where you can have a family and be that okay. values family yeah. and quality yeah. of life. Absolutely. Yeah. So then there's two things that speak to that to me. Number one, being a Christian rapper has that thing, but also sometimes the fans are very, very negative. And just like you were speaking about how you were talking to John from from Hawk Nelson, like as believers, wasn't the point of us carrying the light to bring it into darkness. Whenever I feel like Christians get too comfortable, they start to become almost like Pharisees to me. Like, you know, you almost become that person that's like, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, like that's what... God's called me to be as a light in the darkness and light shines the best in the darkness. So it's not to say that like, you know, anyone you're talking to is the darkness, but I think the idea is you shine the light of Jesus in areas that normally wouldn't get that, wouldn't get that light. And so we have to deal with number one, the fans being, you know, sometimes they're weird or sometimes they just want to hear an F or they just want to hear Andy or Lecrae. They don't want to hear anybody else. So we have to deal with that. And then we have to deal with the idea is that like if anybody at Spotify has heard a Christian song and didn't like it, they bunch us all together. Oh, well, this guy made this Christian <laughs> song. I'm not going to, I'm like, he made this song five years ago. You know, like we're yeah. not those people. And so I think for us, a big piece, and I feel like a chip on my shoulder is how can I make gospel-centric music, but is so good that anybody can hear it. Anybody. You can't deny that good music is good music. And so I want people to be able to like listen to our music and be like, oh, this sounds like its own thing. It doesn't sound like Drake. It doesn't sound like, you know, any other rapper. It sounds like them. And so we've been trying to navigate those waters. But to be honest with you, that's one of the hardest parts about being an artist, especially a Christian artist. You got to deal with people. You will perform at clubs and people are like, how dare you perform at a club? Uh, well, it's a building. Yeah. And I'm like, most Christians, to be honest with you, they drink and they just lie about it or they do things <laughs> and they lie about it. And and another thing is like, I was talking to my buddy, I just started going to a new church and we were laughing because I was like- So you're back in church. <laughs> yeah, just the last couple months, just kidding, no. Actually, <laughs> since, yeah, since started coming back to church, I've actually been a part of three startup churches. One thing we were talking about is how a lot of Christians, they almost make like the rules belong to like youth group or young adults. Like don't have sex before marriage, don't drink. And then when you hit, hit a certain age, people just forget about it. And like, like <laughs> if you ever talk to anybody who's like been divorced and who's a believer, like those rules just went out the window. And I was talking to my buddy. I'm like, so you're going to get married? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, but you know, you're living with her. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I got to go to church. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, right. I guess it only belongs to young people. So there's a lot of stigmas <laughs> that need to be broken in the kingdom of God for God to really flood his revival power through us. For us, we find it easier to talk to people who don't understand who God is because it's easier to give them like that first take. Listen to our story. Listen to what God did to us rather than hear like what has been regurgitated by everybody in the last five years, because, you know, church has trends and stuff like that. So for us, I really want us to be able to communicate the gospel to anybody and do it in such a way that's so fresh, so original, that people are like, is this the same God that, is this Jesus? Like, yeah, this is Jesus. He's He loves you. He's crazy about you. Like, yeah. let's talk about it. Let's Don't think Christians are just the guys in the corner with the pickets and stuff. Like, that's not who we are. Like, those people are weirdos, and no one tells anybody that they're weird. They're just weird. <laughs> 
I was in California the other day and all these people are holding signs and I'm like, Hey man, I'm a believer. And he's like, well, you're not. And I'm like, you're holding a sign and you're telling me I'm yeah. not the believer, but that's what we're all up against as Christians right now. And I feel like yeah. it's up to us to change the narrative and the culture of Christian music. And I feel like that's a chip on our shoulder. I feel like it's a lot of people who have that idea of like, let's bring something new to this equation. Well, you're bringing something new to the equation. There's no doubt. Just in your candor and honesty, what's that famous church? I want to say it's like Westboro Baptist where they're like famous for like picketing. Well, they came to our show. We were on Winter Jam and they were picketing a Christian music show. And my dad was out there (laughs) and they were saying I was going to hell because I was a heretic or something. And Matt Marr was on that tour and they were like, he was going to hell because he was Catholic. I would say it's just the proof that humans, we are all flawed and we are all, what's the old hymn? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We all fall short. Prone to leave the God I love and get misguided even in our good intentions. And it's, it's such a shame to see that sometimes. And what you're illustrating is that you, Fern and Marty, face criticisms from the Christian fans, the people who, well, your music's different than this typical Christian music that I like. And then you might face criticism from the world who's just going to turn you off because you're associated with a Christian affiliation. And it's that cut and dry, Matt. It's that yeah. cut and dry. It's either you're not this or you're not that. And it's over with. And you have to navigate. And no one teaches you how to navigate that. Like I think about Cray all the time. And a lot of these artists and a lot of these Christian artists who are leading the way, they get the most flack because they are just doing something new. So, oh my gosh, like at the time, I remember, oh, he went on MTV. Like that was a thing. Oh my goodness, he went to MTV. And like, dude, where do you want me to go? Christianmusic.com? Like they know about me already. I'm trying to spread this message of the gospel. And so, you know, I feel like I need God to soften my heart to people who are like that. Like the Christians who are very religious, like I have to soften my heart because those are the people that I'm probably the most angry at. Well, and Jesus had some pretty strong words for the Pharisees in scripture. Probably some of his strongest rebukes were spoken to the, the Christians pretended to be perfect. And there's a reason for that. I wonder if you've ever felt this. In my own life, there's been moments of discouragement with a career in Christian music. Sometimes in a weak moment, I'll think, man, would I have reached more people if I was mainstream? And in fact, there's an intro to one of my songs on my last record. This is the closest I've ever come to Social Club Misfits style, but I do a spoken word intro. And I say, people ask me all the time, Matthew, why did you choose Christian music? Wouldn't you reach more people if you were mainstream? This song is my answer. And then I go on and it says, I could sing a different kind of song, try to make more money. I could try to be famous, make everybody love me. I could try to muddy up my message. I could water down my words till nobody knows what I'm saying, but that ain't going to work. Because if you know, no, no, Jesus, like I know, no, no, Jesus, then you know, no, no, the reason why I'm putting love on the radio. Like to me, that was a song that felt like a statement of faith. And the reason why I can say that with confidence is because in those moments where I've thought, am I just preaching to the choir? Am I reaching the lost or am I keeping the found? That's been Mm. one of the questions internally I've wrestled with over the years. Because in some ways, like I didn't choose the path of Christian music. It chose me. And we all know, I mean, for those of us who know who the real author of our story is, we know that we're not driving this thing. You know, the pen's not in our hands. But I was booked as a secular artist 
to start my career. My first 200 shows were at college campuses, yep. and they didn't book me tonight, contemporary Christian singer, because guess how many people would have showed up at that college campus right. for yeah, the you're show? Right. You're 100% right. And yeah. yet, as it developed, I found myself, and I wonder if you would say the same has been for you, is I could try to take God out of my music, and it just doesn't feel authentic, which here we are back to what we were talking about at the beginning, about the importance of you know, wanting to be authentic and connect with people in a real way. My faith in Jesus is the driving force of my life. And to pull that out of my music in an effort to reach more people just never made sense to me. Mm. It never connected with me and it never felt authentically me. And so I've leaned in with an even stronger message. And here's why, because the people that I've met in the church and the stories that I've collected, guess what? The people inside Mm -hmm. the walls of the church are just as broken, but they're one step further towards healing because they've stepped inside the walls of that church. They've gone to that concert. They've gone to hear social club misfits. They're going to hear Matthew S and they're doing that in the hopes that there really is a grace that can change their lives. And you guys have a story that can remind them the answer is yes. So when people say, Hey, could you reach more? people if you're a mainstream i hope that even encourages you as you guys continue to pave your misfit path that man the lord's going to put people in your path and in your music's path that he's going to uniquely use you to bring them closer to him and at the end of the day that's what the race we're running is for yeah we don't try to be christian just for the sake of it you know we're not trying to just fill in the jesus number you know on the board just to put jesus enough we are two christian men who really love jesus make music. Love it. That's the, I guess, the way we approach everything we do. Because when people stick in that bubble of like what worked in the past or what they're used to, it's hard to grow. And so for us, it's been a thing where it's like, we just want to express, we love Jesus so much. It just comes out natural. It's organic. It's who we are. If you talk to us for more than 10 minutes, we're going to mention something about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our life. More than anything, I, I think that we want to be known as believers and men of God more than rappers. Like, like I know Fern for a fact always talks about he wants to be that better husband than he is a better rapper. You know, like he wants to be the That's better awesome. dad. And I think that that just speaks to where our priorities are. Like the failures and the successes really don't mean a lot to us because we are successful husbands. We're successful businessmen. We've done other things that we've been successful in. And so for us, this is God leading the way 100%. And it wouldn't feel authentic if we just did not mention God because it is who we are. It's a part of our identity. We're loved by heaven. We're feared by hell. We're misfits. And I think a lot of people associate Christian music with being almost like when you think about worship music. I think there's a delineation here, and I think I know which category you guys fall into, and I feel like even though our music is totally different and our backgrounds are different, I think we're in a similar lane. And here's what I mean. I think there's songs about faith right? Songs that are solely about that one direction of faith, not the band, but (laughs) like worship songs, vertical songs or something like, and then there's songs that are about life from the perspective of faith. Yes. We're seeing every aspect of life through the lens of our faith in Christ. So when, when I read your lyrics, when I listen to your songs, you're writing about relationships, whatever it is in your life, even your own struggle. Because this, you don't hear enough. I love the thought that you're like, man, I thought I made the right moves. My career not adding up. Met some Christian artists who think they're celebrities. I went to three award shows and fell asleep. But I love that you're writing about life from a faith perspective. And that's what I've always felt like doing it. Whether it's a love song about my wife, whether it's a song about a kid who's being bullied, whether it's about, you know, Tanya's battle with cancer. I mean, we're living real life, so we should be writing about real life. But when we're writing through the lens of our faith, 
even the most hopeless situation still has hope. But think about this. We go to church and we're always told and the Bible always states and we believe the Lord tells us, you know, do unto others and, you know, love your neighbor. And then so why wouldn't we make music that talked about that? Yeah. Why would I leave that outside the studio door? So what happens, I'm a good Christian man, but when I get in the booth, I don't look through that lens when I write these lyrics. That would be so weird. So like, just to touch and piggyback off what he said, it's like, at the end of the day, we've always been big statesmen in saying that we know everything we talk about is from the lens of a Christian man. And so regardless of if we're talking about the Florida Marlins, you can't help it. It's the Christian man <laughs> rapping about the Florida Marlins. And he's going to keep, and you know, he's not going to curse. That's one thing you know he's not going to do. That's he's not going to say anything vulgar. He's That's not going to say any sexual innuendos. You know yeah. what I mean? It's going to be yeah. perfect. You can put it right on the Jumbotron. You don't have to edit it. That's one of the things that I love, That's man. Awesome, like people man. ask me, was it hard to like not want to rap secular, man? You did this, you did that. I'm like, listen, once I tame my pen to say the name of Jesus, it was over with. I had to tame my pen though, Maddie. Yeah. I had to tame it because it was trying to buck on me like a Bronco. <laughs> well, you better slide that in there. You could get away with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I tamed my pen and I realized that I could write, and people really got to realize this, Christian rappers should be you know, looked at in a real good light because we use more words. Yeah. We have to use more words. We can't curse. We can't use this. We can't use that. We can't. That's not even part of the recipe. You got to literally... Right. You got to literally have some sort of talent to really, you know, approach the presence of God. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're not going to make headlines by sensationalizing something. You're not about shock value. And when you take the shock value out of a lot of these artists' songs, like, you really don't have a great song. I feel like me and Marty could say anything and it's going to go like... I feel like it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm. We say the name of Jesus, but we say it in a way that it penetrates. But I do feel like there still is a little bit of tension in the sense of when you say, hey, Social Club Misfits, the Christian rappers, that's still just a little bit almost out the door. I feel with this album, we'll be able to really penetrate culture. Yeah, this album is different. This album was made during quarantine. I mean, except for Savior, which was made two years ago. For some reason, we just never put that out. I don't know why. I think we just couldn't get the feature. Or we were waiting for King and Country, and it's a two-year <laughs> waiting list. But I love those guys, by the way. Love um, you, Luke. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I feel like this project, it is, it's a very interesting project because it's, a lot of it was just made at home. You know, it's just made organically at home. And I feel like we're at a turning point in our career where it's like, we're trying to make music at this point and we're not trying to please anybody, but just be art artists. You know, like this is art now. This is no longer trying to be like a, you know, a Drake or a, you know, or a Wayne or any of those big rappers or any of those like guys who are blowing up. Like we're trying to be us and there's a void in the industry of us. You know, and right now, if we were to try to pretend to be any other artist, they already have that artist. So that's it. Is that why you led with the song? Is that okay? Yeah, I feel like since the last album, I think me and Fern just have had conversations about like, like even merch. We're only going to make clothing that we would wear. We're only going to make music that we like. We're only going to make music that works for the band. And we're not trying to like, you know, like, hey, let's do a song like this anymore. Yeah, I, we like, don't do now, that. Now that we have your attention. Yeah, we don't do that. We yeah. used to be like, all right, let's make a song. There's like, a good title too. Whatever popular, <laughs> whatever popular song was out, we're like, all right, let's make a version of that. And I think that a lot of artists do that because I think there's a level of like trying to please your label because if you can make the right music and your label likes it, you'll go far. If your label yeah. doesn't believe in the music, 
they're not going to push it as hard as just the truth about it. I hear stories all the time from mainstream guys because now that I'm doing more production, I hear stuff and I'll make a song with a guy who's signed to Def Jam and he'll be like, well, the label just doesn't believe in it. And I'm like, they don't believe in you then. Because that's really what we're talking. They, they believe in their bigger artists. And so I think that it's just a conversation now where it's like, we are unapologetically who we are. We're believers. We love God. We love people. We love music. And we're making art. And you either like it or you just going to listen to the other guy, you know? No, I love that. I want to read a quote real quick. And then I want to tell you how I want to finish our time together. But there's a great quote by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, mm. to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Let's go. I think about that when I think about what you guys are doing and the misfit path that you are paving. This is a question that I ask every guest. This is a question about a blue couch story. Mm. Now, I found God on a blue couch watching a Billy Graham crusade on television as a 13-year-old preacher's kid, and it was a moment that really symbolizes kind of when my faith became mm. real to me, and mm -hmm. I decided, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, obviously, from 13 to now, I've had many new beginnings since then, Absolutely. moments that were just as defining of recommitting my life to Christ, things like that. So I remember that blue couch and I bought a blue couch and started taking with me on tour. That's dope. There's something about remembering the hour you first believed and reminding yourself that like God called my name once and he hasn't left me since. He still loves me. So I love asking that question to each guest because when I hear somebody else's blue couch story, it just strengthens my faith and reminds me that God is leaving the 99 to find every single one of us. So Fern, you touched a little bit on your story of life behind bars and coming out of that. If you each have like a brief version of your blue couch story, I think the listener would love to hear it. The blue couch section in my story would be further on in life. But I remember when I was 15 years old, uh, I went to a Carmen concert at the Miami Arena. So yeah, I'm a pastor's son and you know, I, I'm playing the drums and all that. But for whatever reason, I think it was because like when Carmen came out with the Doc Martens and he had the cutoff jeans and he was doing uh, A to J, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love that. He had, me, he had me at A to J, I promise. Because look what I do for <laughs> a living though. Think about it. Yes, yes. It's so funny you asked me this question. I didn't even know I'm opening up like this, but that was really a moment that maybe, or actually the Lord was telling me, Yo, this is going to be a coming mo moment, but I want to show you something. I, there's a reason why you love it, or there's a reason why I'm reaching you today. And then I'm honestly like, I'm baffled right now telling this, like, this is what we get to do. And, you know, I walked up and I was crying. My cousin Eddie came with me. I guess I rededicated my life even because I, I already received them at 15. You know what I'm saying? I had been baptized at 12. But yeah, man, at that Carmen concert, I just really knew... It was the real, real traction for what would become, you know, the GPS to be instilled in my heart. Because when I went into the streets, when I went to Joe and all that, I had the GPS and I was able to make it home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I had the tracking I, system. I had, that's <laughs> good, Fern. You know, so, so... What about the champion? Remember that one? Listen, I did the champion. I <laughs> love that. I actually have like the box set my mom bought it for me. 1988. Yes. With the shirt. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna... And then there was the champion and then there's the riot. Remember the riot, Fern? Come on, man. We're I, gonna I got a karma EP on my dresser right now. <laughs> you got a blue couch. I got a karma EP. Fern, I love that. I love that visual, that picture of a blue couch moment. What about you, Marty? So I, I actually feel like I've had two moments with God, right? So the first moment sustained me. I remember when I was 18, my buddy brought me to church 
And I definitely went for the wrong reasons. I went there to talk to girls, but I might have been my third or second time. But I remember just in the middle of the youth group, it was a big room. And I remember walking from like the side to the back and just like bawling my eyes out and just feeling this overwhelming presence of God. Like he was putting a coat on me, you know, you just feel this weight of just God. And so that was like my first moment from there. I started like kind of working at a church and then, you know, the whole situation with the church happened and I stopped going to church after that situation with my old church and I stopped going for about three years. I just was like sick of it. And I had friends that constantly like would call me and hang out with me and try to like, you know, invest in me. And so Mm. I remember going back to church, my buddy, I went there for the first time in a while. And I remember he handed me this book and the book was Misfit. And it was written by a guy named Chris Durso, mm. which we adapted to our brand That's from cool. that book. It really just changed our life. But I remember being there and being like, wow, like there's normal Christians. And being in that environment with Rich and the staff and everybody at the church just felt like, like it felt like a church for me. And I was like, I've never experienced this type of church. The old church I went to, it was like suit and tie or like everyone at the time was wearing Tommy Bahama for some reason. I don't know. It smelled like candles in the room when you go to church because everyone's <laughs> wearing Tommy Bahama. But yeah. I remember I remember just going back to church and just being reminded of that one moment that I had with God. And it's almost like God gives you like, I don't know what it is, but it's like little reminders along the way that you could like look back at and be like, I remember God was there and mm. I remember God was there. And the, in, that, the experience I had the first time when I was 18 was so real that even like, you know, six years later when I was not going to church and coming back to church, I still remembered it. It was so, it affected my soul so deeply. I was like, I know that there, I can't just leave this alone. I love it. And it was a strong enough moment to bring you back even after, you know, some rough interactions with the church, which a lot of people could say they've been burned by the church, but for for you to get burned and then still return, that means that blue couch moment was real. We look at church differently, I guess, than the person who's just been going their whole life. Yeah. For us, I feel like we were out of the church and came back into it. And when you like leave something and get back into it, you're getting back into it, not because you're family, not because mm-hmm. people, you're getting back into it because you genuinely like love God and you had this like connection somehow with God that you can't explain. It hits a little bit different. And so I feel like that gives us an edge because for us, we're two men who have a story and that story is that we left but God brought us back. He brought us back home. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people out there who have probably been affected by hurt in their church or hurt by a pastor or hurt by somebody who said the wrong thing. Something about spirituality mixed with like humans and the deepness of it, it. You can get cut really deep. And so one of the things that we want people to, when they hear our music, is like, God loves you and there's a place for you here. Love it. That's good stuff. Yes, sir. Hey, now it's time for Songs from the Story House. We're going to do this a little bit differently today because I wanted to highlight one of the songs off of Social Club's new album. So, Marty and Fern, I'm bringing you back. Which song do you want to talk about in Songs from the Story House? Savior was the one that me and Fern worked on together at Tommy Prophet Studio. Tommy is Nate's NF's producer, does all his stuff. We had this song. It was a lot different when we first got it. But we had them re-sing it, change the lyrics. Even Jeremy had her change some lyrics, but Tommy really brought it to life. And I remember me and Fern writing it like on the spot in like 15 minutes. We wrote that really quick. That song just like 
the message of I need a savior. That when you hear the song, you just, it's like that cry out for help. Like God, more than ever right now, we need that savior. We need that side of God to show up. There's so many different sides to, to Jesus. You know, there's the caring father, the one who sits with you, plays with the kids. There's the one who, who's the healer. Right now, we just need the savior. We need the lifeline version of Jesus right now. That's and good. so this song, we wrote it really quick and we've been sitting on it for about two years. I think we made it right after the road show. It was going to be on the next record, but something about it just did not work. And we didn't feel like at the time radio would want it because it was just such a different sounding song it's such a, it's a very big song it's almost like you would hear you know vin diesel and and uh, fast and the furious behind the song it's such a big song but when we wrote it that wasn't our attention it was just we need a savior and so we wrote that song and we we're sitting on it and just now is it gonna be released and we're so pumped so it feels like the timing is right now i need a savior That's really verbatim my version of really what happened in my life. My dad's wondering how the heck did this happen? My mother's crying. Like, I got arrested on their anniversary, August 18th, 2005. Wow. They were on vacation. And I remember one thing my dad always said, don't you ever call here. We taught you better. Don't call here if you end up in no jail. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a smack in the face. Like, you know, I taught you everything to keep you out of that. You're going to go in there and then you're going to call me first, right? Okay. So he always told me, don't call. The only number I knew was my mom and dad's. So I call my mom and I hear her countenance is up. She's super happy. And I'm like, hey, mom. She's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, mom, I got right to it, man. I'm like, mom, I'm in jail. Hmm. And then like her whole countenance dropped yeah. and she started weeping. Yeah. She started weeping, man. I heard it like whimpering. And I hear the phone, you know, scratching on her clothes and she passed it to my dad. And he goes, what's going on? And I said, dad, I'm in jail. He said, I told you not to call here. If you got, it was like exactly what he was supposed to say because he always taught me that. So it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'm going to come get. No, no. I told you not to call here. Wow. And so we came full circle. And I just remember my dad said, hey, I'm on my anniversary right now. I'll be back Tuesday. You try again on Tuesday. I might got something for you. Who knows? Wow. I just chilled in the day room. I chilled. I laid back for three days. And then I called back. And then my mom told my dad that the Lord had spoke to him and just like on the third day, it was the third day. He's like, go pick up your son. And they came and got me, you know? Wow. So, uh, oh, man. it's just an incredible story, you know? That song, I didn't know, you know, how big it would become. Because for it to be coming out right now, that speaks on the strength of the song. It was made two years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We thought it was ready then. It was so ahead of the time. Or the, the story was just, yeah. had to be for a certain time. And here it is now. Yeah. But it's really the story of our lives, you know, spiritual warfare and the things you go through, you know, to get where we are. God orchestrates all of that. And he's going to continue to use your guys' story in a powerful way. How's your relationship with your parents now? So much unpackaging, man. It yeah. was so much unpackaging, but I had to realize that. 
once I was down to unpack, then we started seeing each other every random time, little dinners, and unpack a little bit. That's good. Unpack a little bit. And just not all of it, just eat, unpack a little bit, bring up a little story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just little by little, same way it took so long for all that to build up, the same way you bring it back down. And we've been able to, you know, rekindle the dialogue and be able to speak and be able to come That's to good. a place where, you know what I'm saying? Like, the dialogue has been good, but I know I need to be better. But it comes from all that unraveling, unpacking, and we're getting to a good place, though. Well, you said unpacking, and earlier Marty talked about, you know, I can't take this baggage with me if I'm going to go where God wants me to be. And right. it sounds like you guys are both in your own way, from Blue Couch Stories to finding your unique way of communicating your story to the world god's speaking through you guys in a powerful way and you know whether it's on an espn commercial or uh you know lord willing on christian radio stations or wherever wherever the lord leads you i know god's gonna speak through your music in a powerful way so you guys keep being authentically you and thanks to this podcast Feared by Hell is probably going to go platinum in like a week, maybe two weeks top. 100%. So you're welcome for that. So pumped about that. Hey, if it does, we'll be right back next week. <laughs> <laughs> you just know you got fans at the West House, and I wanted to be able to use whatever platform the Lord gives to me to shine a light on music that I love and people that I really respect. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for having us. Seriously. Yeah, appreciate it. We love you, man. I need a Well, to close out today's show, my dad is here. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, welcome to the Storyhouse once again. I think the people are ready for you to bring some dad advice. So do you have a word today? Yes, I do, and it all centers around the word steadfast. It's a good word. Yeah, that word sticks out in the Bible several times, and the word steadfast means being resolute or dutifully firm and unwavering. So being resolute, being unwavering, and I think as a human being, sometimes our biggest challenge is to not be wishy-washy or you know, up one moment and down the next, but just staying steadfast and firm and and whatever you're going through, again, you're you're on a even emotional level of being firm in your faith and firm in Christ. And here's some good verses here. Paul said this in First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And when you have a temptation to give up and not be firm and not keep going, if you just realize God's going to reward you, there's rewards at the end of this battle or trial, what you're going through. So great promises and encouragement that Paul gives. This can be a good litmus test to really take inventory of the things that you do work towards in your life. Because if it's something that really doesn't have an eternal value, it's going to be even harder to remain steadfast. You know, like the scripture you just read, if it's in vain, which that's what that means. If you're working on something in vain, it means it's pointless, 
right? It's, it's not eternal. And when you get a taste of something that has an eternal value, when you're living your life for a greater purpose, when you know that your story is being authored by the God who made you and you have your eyes open, it doesn't necessarily get easier to remain steadfast, but when trials do come, we know that it's worth still going after it. We know that we can be unwavering because what we're pursuing and what we're working towards has an eternal value to it. That's for sure. The most important thing of being firm is is in your relationship with Christ because the devil wants to knock you out. So that's one of it. But a, another area of staying firm and steadfast is is in your personal dreams and and goals. Everyday challenges that if God puts something in your heart, don't give up on that, even though it might seem to be slipping away or whatever you might be going through. But being firm, being steadfast is important. I got one more verse that Paul said, be on your guard. This is 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. What a great encouragement to live a steadfast story, unwavering first and foremost in your faith in Christ and knowing that he will give you the strength to make it through whatever it is you're going through. And it's also a good reminder to take inventory of the things that you're pursuing day in and day out. Are they for temporary gain or is there an eternal value? If you know at the end of the day that what you're working towards is an eternal value, then the Lord Lord's going to fill you with strength to remain steadfast and unwavering. Dad, thanks for that message today. If you want to hear more about the ministry that my dad and I have, you can visit popwe.org. That's popwe, P-O-P-W-E.org. Visit that ministry's website. You can sign up to receive free devotionals. You can uh, submit a prayer request. You can read some powerful stories. Most importantly, just be reminded that our ministry is here to join you on your journey as you learn how to craft, share, and live a more fulfilling story with your life. Thanks, Dad. All right. Thank you. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guests, Social Club Misfits. How awesome are they? Be sure to check out their latest album, Feared by Hell. We're going to post a link at the podcast page. Just go to matthewwest.com slash podcast for all the information about every guest on every show and every song that we talk about. I've got something cool coming your way. I did a little collaboration with Social Club. It's coming your way at Christmas time. That's all I'm going to say right now. Just get ready. I also want to thank my dad for joining me, as always, with a great word of wisdom. Just on a personal note, my mom and my dad have recently tested positive for COVID, and so we're just praying for them as their son. I'm trying to make sure I take good care of them and just wanted to... uh, Let my family out there, the extended family listening to this, know what's going on. We're all fighting battles. We're all going through different things right now. And so just want to leave you with that, just to encourage you to pray for my parents, but also just as a reminder to live your lives with compassion. Ask God to open your eyes today and, and help you to see someone in your path who might need your encouragement, your help, your love. And you could really make a difference in somebody's life, right? Everybody's fighting a hidden battle. Let the truth be told and let God use you in a powerful way. So mom and dad, praying for you to have a quick recovery. Everybody out there, I'm praying for you. Now go out and make the most of the one life you get. It's your story for his glory. God bless you. I'll see you next week.
<laughs> but seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>